0: Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the
2: Hangtime Podcast. Play Thompson, one half of the dubious splash brother.
1: I want to confirm something. You put a fortune in a cookie. What did you write on the fortune?
2: I put 73 and nine. If it's right there for us, why not? With your hosts, Seiko Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Man, we don't do second place. We've in <laughs> second don't... place two
1: years in a row. You did 28th place this year. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like to stir things up from time to time. <laughs>
2: Couldn't let Jerry Stackhouse make it through the building without stopping and
1: hollering at it. What's been the hardest adjustment for you to make to becoming a coach? Not wanting to go out there and get 15. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now it's time for the tip off.
2: Once again, back here on the Hangtime podcast, Seku Smith from hangtimebloggingnba.com. My main man, Lang Whitaker, in New York, belly oh. full. Yes. Nice dinner last night with your celeb chef homeboys. Very impressive. Uh, Emerald Lagasse and our main man Marcus Samuelson. Uh, listen, dude, you eat really, really well, and that is why I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart as one of your true friends, stop wearing jerseys. The picture of you and Beck. Beck's got the wife beater on. He's looking good. Got the sneakers. And then you sitting there behind him with those pale arms, Hanging out of that Knicks jersey. Not a good that look. That was
1: that was a bad filter my wife put on that photo.
2: <laughs> Not a
1: good look. But I but you know what? Sun's out, guns out, man.
2: <laughs> I wanna I wanna apologize to the US uh men's national team uh for being worried about their well well being in Rio. It was clearly uh unnecessary. They beat down the opposition when it mattered most, blasted Serbia in the gold medal game, uh took care of their business.
1: They found another level. It seemed like, didn't they? Yes, yes. And also, they put Paul George on Teodosich and <laughs> that, that usually sort of, helps. Really, yeah, that, yeah they, that usually helps. But that changed things a lot.
2: Speaking of another level, let's let's get our our main man Michael Lee, Mister Michael Lee, of course, from the Vertical uh, at Yahoo Sports, joining us now. You cleared customs on the way home, huh?
0: Yeah, man. Just walked through
1: the door and said, "Let me let me see who I can holler at." So you two first, man. We appreciate it. I thought Ryan Lochte still had your your (laughs) (laughs) passport.
0: I I wasn't hanging around anywhere near where he was hanging out. So I think you did.
2: Well, look, I, I know this this wasn't your first Olympics rodeo, Mike. So tell me what this one was like compared to Olympics you've covered in the past. In terms, you know, we heard so much about the drama in Rio, which. As you mentioned, Ryan Lochte, you know, embellished to say the least. But what was it? What was it like? Yeah, just what was it like down there? The atmosphere, the vibe, the you know, from the you know, just from the city, the venues, everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was um, it was much better than than I think anybody anticipated. I think we all thought we were stepping into the scenes of some horror movie (laughs) with like blood sucking, you know, (laughs) mosquitoes just attacking you at every step, and you got gang warfare you got duck duck and dodge bullets i mean it, it they they definitely created an unnecessary fear when you mm-hmm. got there um and i think that you know each day went on you know you saw the people the, the locals they they like they didn't have a care in the world and i think after a while you know you started taking on that same that same approach it's like why am i worried if they're not worried you know they live here every day. I'm just visiting. Um, I still I still spray myself off every day. I wasn't <laughs> <else> around, but <laughs> I wasn't walking around like in total fear. And you got used to it, and uh, it was a great place. I mean, it, I've, I've been to Rio before. I went there few right. years ago when the Wizards played the uh, the Bulls in the um, hmm. in uh global games right. uh, down there, and, and that was that was nice. And it, it felt the same. It's such a beautiful city, especially the, like if you. Mixed uh, put mountains in Miami and then triple the city, <laughs> then you'd have Rio. Yeah. Because um, like everywhere you go, there's like something that really takes you, captures you. You're like, wow, this is beautiful. Yeah. And then you just kind of want to sit there and get frozen for a second, and then you got to keep on moving. Um. But it, it's, it's such a great city, and uh, I'm glad I got a chance to host the Olympics. I wish that there hadn't been so much panic built up, mm, you know, right. going in, because I would have been able to enjoy it a lot more initially. You know, the first week. You're definitely looking over your shoulder, and if right. there's any flying insect, I was running the other way. So, yeah. But once you got past that, it was a good
1: experience. Right. I've seen you run. I'm not surprised if they would have caught you. But um, we, before we get to USA Basketball, um, you know, part of the fun of the Olympics is being able to see other athletes and other events and other things like that. What else did you get to check out? What, what else was uh, – Stuck it, out to you, and where you remember Well, I from went to see Camilla. Serena
0: lose, and I know Seiko was Yeah, Jinx. Uh, I, but I, I went to saw, I saw Serena Williams. I saw Usain Bolt running the hundred and the two hundred. Yeah. And that was the first time I really got a chance to see it because usually you need a ticket to get into those events as, as a reporter. You can't uh-huh. just walk into the the venue. They let us in, and I made sure I was there. And it was just incredible to be in the building and just, you know, hearing that, the silence, you know, before the gun, just that anticipation. And then once it's fired off, you just see this man just <laughs> blow past everybody. and it was yeah. just Like, just, you're mesmerized by it because it's like 10 seconds. It just goes by so fast. And then you just, and you see this guy just parade around the arena. They're chanting his name. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I wasn't old enough to really remember Muhammad Ali fighting, but I can only imagine you know what it's like to see this guy cuz he's revered. I mean, he is revered all, all throughout the city. I mean, he's being chanted and, and it's just it was great to witness. It's good to see history. Yeah. Um so I saw that. Um saw saw a little boxing. Um you know, I I got to get around a little bit more than, than usual, but uh but I was pretty much stuck in in the basketball venue most of the time.
1: Yeah. All
2: right. Did you think uh the US team showed itself finally, in, you know, when it when it counted in the medal round, obviously in the elimination round. Um, after a lot of – seemed like hand-wringing about close games and just how, you know,
0: how yeah, this those, team those wasn't kind of made
2: like previous, you know, Olympic or world championship teams.
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the problem that they had, the main problem, was that Coach Sheffy didn't know a lot of these guys. Yeah. You know, and he didn't understand his personnel in a lot of ways. He only had them for a couple of weeks. So, like, in the NBA, we might see Draymond Green and know what he can do. But, you know, in international ball, if he can't handle the slick ball and he's not, you know, operating well, you know, in the international, then what's Coach K going to do with him? You know, and it's just – I think he just had to, you know, sort of adjust to the fact that he couldn't have five offensive players in his starting lineup on the floor all times. So he needed at least one guy who's going to just do the dirty work and do all the other stuff. And he inserted DeAndre Jordan to that first unit, and it just balanced out everything. It helped mm-hmm. – you know, uh, Kyrie Irving is not really a playmaker. And there were no playmakers, you know, in the lineup. But it just sort of just took the pressure off of them to where they could, you know, get some blocks, get get out and run, you know. And um, I think it just took time, you know. I think that we we get caught up in, you know, seeing all the talent. But no matter how much talent you have, you still got to figure out how to play with each other. And I don't think these guys really knew each other. I mean, you think they had ten new Olympians, you know. So this was a brand-new team. And they weren't tested at all in the exhibition season. I mean, yeah. playing China and Nigeria, that that offered no challenge. So it just it was almost like watching a, you know, an all-star game being played out. You know, where they're just they got a three-point shootout and a slam dunk contest all going on, <laughs> while, against uh, China. Right. You know, but once you play a team like Serbia or Australia, you know, a team that teams that have been together for a while have have you know nice solid. Um, Pieces, even if you, that you may not recognize them in NBA, but they they're like they got pros that have been playing together for a long time. Right. You put them together, and you know they can run a couple of offensive sets, catch a back door, and you fall asleep, and you don't really know there's no one shouting out on defense where guys need to be, and uh, it just made it so it made it more interesting though. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways it exposed a lot of the flaws of the individual players, and in some ways it sort of made the the ride a little bit more enjoyable. Because you realize that as great as these guys are, you know, all sort of credentials that they have, they're, they're humans, and uh, and you sort of appreciate that they had to actually go through something to get to that gold medal.
1: After uh, after they won the gold medal, we saw uh, at least on the on the television broadcast here, we saw Carmelo um, gave a, a moving speech and talked about how this was it for him as far as international basketball and. Then started talking about the problems in the United States. I was ready to vote for him, um, but, when, but when he finished, you know, he, he's he's the past couple of Olympics. He's kind of established himself as a lot of people were saying he, he's like the ultimate USA basketball player right now. Who who do you think takes up that mantle if Melo really is done um, for for Tokyo? Who, who do you think is the next guy who kind of becomes that leader of USA basketball on the court?
0: It had to be Kevin Durant, right? I mean, just based on the performance that yeah. he's had the last two olympics um i mean you think about it carmelos played in four olympics you know and he's the all-time leading scorer durant's played in two olympics he's only 25 points behind so <laughs> right. he has a chance to obliterate that i mean you, you michael jordan you know scored 256 points in like two olympics and he was third and KD's already has 311 points <laughs> i mean wow. he's he's averaging almost four points more a game than anybody's ever played for usa ball so um you figure if he comes back at thirty one in in four years uh that he could put up the same numbers and and be just as great, so I think he'd be the guy you'd look to to lean on and he could get his third gold medal as well uh so that that I think he'd be the the, the leading the leading candidate just based on you know that he's <laughs> he's already done it twice he's done it on a big level, and no matter who the teammates are he's still gonna step up as being the main guy. And uh, I think that, that that that's who I that's who I nominate as the face of the USA basketball going forward.
2: Michael Lee of the Vertical, of Yahoo Sports, joined us here on Hang Time Podcast. Mike, you had an interesting uh, a story that you wrote uh, about KD, and it sounded like you caught him after all of the hype and after you know the the medal ceremony and as he's kind of exiting the building, and he talked about this summer being therapy, you know, the the yeah. trip to Rio being therapy for him you've known him for so long you had a relationship with him over all these years how different is he now than he was maybe 3 or 4 years ago just in terms of ma- the maturity that maybe hardened by some of the criticism he's faced um and maybe introspective about the journey now that he's at this stage of his career where he's kind of having a summer of reset you know to, to go to golden state from oklahoma city and start over
0: yeah yeah i was actually surprised that he that he said it um you know sort of therapy for him because mm-hmm. You know, throughout the entire time, he's always said he was confident in his decision. He had no problem with his decision. I, but I think he was surprised by the backlash. He didn't. He, he knew that some people were going to be upsetting, especially the people in Oklahoma City. He knew that they were going to be disappointed by him leaving. But I don't think he expected to hear, you know, all the mass criticism about that choice. And uh, and I think that's that sort of forced him to sort of take a step back and, you know, not second-guess the decision in any way, but kind of figure out how he's going to approach this, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, he knows that if he goes out there and wins, that that'll change everything. You know, you, he could easily look at LeBron James as an example of how, you know, when he first went to Miami, he was criticized. I admit, I was one of the one criticized LeBron for going there, but he got the two rings and, you know, people, they always embrace winners. And if he goes to Golden State and wins, you know, people, there will always be people who hate people. There are, that's just what happens. But I think that, you know, he understands that if he goes there and wins and he's happy there, you um, know, I think that's that's the other aspect of his decision to go to Golden State I think people overlook is that they they just look at it and say, oh, man, he just went to the enemy, you know, he, he's trying to ring chase. But the decision wasn't just about trying to get an opportunity to win. It was about being around a, a group of guys, you know, with, you know, like-minded guys that, that just only care about winning. They don't care about stats. They don't care about – trying to um you know, you know, make all star teams or anything like that. It's just it's just about trying to do what it takes to make sacrifices for each other that, that you win. And I think that when he saw what the Warriors had when they came in that recruiting visit, you know, he said it looked like they were holding hands. They they <laughs> got along so well. Yeah. And I think he wanted to be in that kind of environment and be in that kind of culture. And you, you can see it just from what Steve Kerr's established over the last couple of years in, in Golden State where, you know, they 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 play basketball. They they're, they're serious about it, but they're also about having fun. Yeah. And you know he scribbles on his shoes, have fun and smile all the time because I think sometimes you get caught up in the pressure of having to perform and having to be great, and you lose track. And for him, he sometimes loses track of the fact that when he started playing basketball, it was just to, just to have fun. Yeah. And and you and I think that now he's sort of getting settled into that. And that's something he's probably going to, have to lean on a lot throughout a season where when he goes to different cities, <laughs> he's going to get it. Right. They, he's going to get booed like never before. Um, but I think that people who are around him and, and, are, and have dealt with him know that it's kind of hard to cast him as a villain because the only thing that he's done is just change change teams. He hasn't really changed as a person in that respect.
1: We heard, um, <coughs> uh, dear one of the broadcasts, Jerry Colangelo, or, or I think maybe Doug Collins was talking about Jerry Colangelo, but he said that... Uh, almost all the players who come back from USA basketball head into the the regular season and kind of have a bounce from it, Um, whether that's uh, younger guys who watch other guys uh, practice and and watch how how they've improved, or or even older guys who had a chance to kind of sit back and and stay in shape and come into the season in shape. Is is there a guy you think off this team that, that gets that bounce perhaps more than another player going into the regular season?
0: Oh, man, it's. I mean, you could probably go down the list of, uh, of all the guys. I think Paul George might have a bounce. Um, yeah. I think that this was a really big tournament for him because uh, I think everybody knew how good he is. They knew he was a great defensive player. They know he can score. But just the way he carried himself, um, I think the way he uh, went about, you know, not really deferring the guys, I think that that could really help Indiana. I think he's always, you know, had confidence in himself. But, you know, now he can completely close the chapter on you know USA basketball and a broken leg. You know we know he's past that now. He doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He probably won't be asked about it much anymore because people can just appreciate the fact that this guy is a great player and he's he's performing at a high level now. So I I would expect him to have a great year. Uh-huh. Um, you know obviously I would expect Durant to have a great year because I I think the one thing that you know um you you talked about the the bump, you know uh the last uh couple of international competitions, the MVP has come out of that field. You know, in 2007 at the FIBA Americas, the very next year you had Kobe Bryant. You know, in 2008, you know, the very next year you had LeBron James win his first MVP. 2012, you know, 2010, I'm sorry. The very next year you had Derrick Rose win the MVP. 2012, LeBron. 2014, Steph Curry. So the MVP of the league has come off of playing USA basketball, and, you know, you can't really – take for granted that these guys are training, playing against the best guys in the world every day. So that's just mm-hmm. the iron iron sharpening iron. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of guys, you know, backed out for different reasons. Some guys were hurt. Uh, some guys may have been afraid of Zika and just didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, the guys who missed out are probably going to regret it in some ways. Yeah. I think that one, probably once you saw those gold medals going around their neck, some of the guys who probably could have gone but chose not to, Probably sitting back saying, dang, that could have been me. Um, so, uh, But I think overall I expect, you know, like I said, Paul, KD, and even a guy like Kyle Lowry. Um, he wasn't necessarily uh, expected to do much, and he backed up Kyrie a lot. Um, but he was invaluable in terms of coming off the bench and, and providing that defensive spark. Um, so I think you could probably just go down a list of guys uh, but I, I don't I don't know if Demarcus Cousins will have a bump because he still has to go to Sacramento. <laughs> but I think he proved in in the process of this tournament that if you put him in an environment where winning is the only goal and there's not going to be all the other drama, he won't be a distraction. And he wasn't, even though he fouled out at just about every game. Um, he still had a positive attitude about it, and he carried himself pretty well. So. But I think you've got a list of guys who are going to benefit from the experience.
1: Before Seiko asks you another question, I just want to say, iron sharpening iron is a good way to describe the Hangtime podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever.
2: Along the same lines, Mike, of, of who gets that bump, um, I found myself after the Olympics in London, you know, you come home with a different appreciation for a certain guy's game after watching them up close and personal over that stretch. Um, same thing at the World Championships in Spain. It was it was my first time seeing two guys really on a daily basis up close and personal, Kyrie Irving and and Clay Thompson. And I came back saying to myself, "Man, these guys are better than I realized um, from watching them during their NBA season." Who of this group uh, off of this gold medal winning team in Rio do you look at with a different lens now after seeing them up close and personal during that time?
0: Uh, well, DeAndre Jordan for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know he's been a, like the third wheel you know, and, and with the Clippers for a long time. Um, but, you know, you take a step back, you realize how Blake Blake Griffin's been hurt a lot there, and they haven't really ever had that drop-off. You know, they've, they've been good. You know, the last two seasons, you know, um, DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul have sort of had to carry the team, and he doesn't get a lot of attention. You know, he made first team all-NBA, but I think, you know, a lot of people looked at it as like that was more of the – we hate the Marcus Cousins award, you know, <laughs> that everybody just voted for DeAndre because they like him more. But, but, but being around him and just seeing what a, what kind of teammate he is, seeing what kind of guy he is, uh, seeing how he connected with all the teammates, he had everybody over at his house in Houston, uh, for for a hangout. You know, he's he's now made friends with uh, Draymond Green, you know, from the mm-hmm. rival, uh, you know, Warriors. Everybody know that Clippers Warriors rivalry, mm-hmm. and he just seemed like just a really good dude. And and I, I didn't even know. Um, that how close he was with Durant, you know, Durant told me that if he had a wedding today, that DeAndre would be in it, oh, wow. you know, um, and they, 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 he just, he, and he just what he brought to the team defensively, once they made him switch and put him in the starting lineup, the team started to resemble itself, you know, oh. and he just, he totally took out Paul Gasol um, in the semifinal game. and uh, And he just, he just, I mean, I think now I can really appreciate him, you know, I always felt like Doc Rivers was forcing it when he was trying to say we have a big three mm-hmm. right. after being around him for a while. I, I can respect that. Yeah.
1: Um, last thing before we let you go, what, what do we make of Harrison Barnes' Olympics?
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> um, I think it's good for him that he got a chance to be around you know, some of the best players and practice with them. I wonder how he'll respond because he actually had to deal with two rejections in the same summer. One from right. the Golden State Warriors, who told him, "You know, you go ahead, and move on, so we can get, uh, so we can get this other guy in here." And then when he got to USA Basketball, that other guy wound up being the man on the team, <laughs> yeah, and he They had to see it every day, like, "Oh, this is the dude that took my job every day." <laughs> and uh, so it, you you hope that he could use that as motivation you know, that he could, you know, get back in the gym and just say, Okay, well, I know I'm not on that level, but what what's the highest level I can get to? Because I think as good as it was that he didn't have the pressure in Golden State, I think now it's kind of better that now he's in a situation where he has to step out and, yeah. and sort of be a guy that they expect him to be, you know. Dirk Dirk can't do it forever. Um at some point somebody else is gonna have to emerge and I think mm-hmm. that maybe this will fire up Harrison Barnes to where you know, he got smacked in the face twice this summer, and now he has to go out and just basically say, okay, I'm not just going to sit back and just cruise through my career. I want to take it by the reins uh, and just go for it. Yeah.
2: Michael Lee of The Vertical at Yahoo Sports joining us here. We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up this one last point, Mike. Um a story came out about uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal having to sort through their difficulties on the court. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. basically talking about two alpha males believing in themselves and, and kind of clashing a little bit. You haven't covered the Wizards in the NBA for the Washington Post in one of your stops along the way. Was that news to you that they had these issues?
0: Um, and are no. you
2: surprised at how how frank they've been about them in terms of talking about it?
0: No, not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're both two guys. If you ask them a the direct right question, they'll give you a direct answer. Mm-hmm. And they've always been that way. And uh, I mean, you know, it's it's. I, I don't view it as not like a Shaq Kobe type thing. It's not like these guys are want to choke each other out. You know, <laughs> there's no situation where they really hate each other. I don't, I don't, uh-huh. I never picked that up from them. I think what it is is just is just two guys who want to get better, who want to be great, and uh, and that, that that's just going to lead to some problems when you're young. You know, you have you don't have all the answers. You don't figure it all out. Sometimes you may not appreciate who you're playing with all the time. But I never sense that, that is like there's any kind of deep hatred because they're just not that – neither one of them is that type of guy. Neither one of them is a confrontational guy. You know, I never see them actually coming to blows or anything like that. Right. Um, I just think that it was just an honest, you know, period where, you know, John, I think, in a lot of ways has been asked to do a whole lot, you know, especially with Brad's injuries. Mm-hmm. He's had to kind of lead the team with Adam in a lot of ways. And I think in, in Brad's sense, you know, sometimes he wants the ball a little more. He wants to be – Featured a little more, and and John is like, "Well, you need to, you know, raise your game. You got (laughs) to bring it up, and then I'll feed you." But I I don't think that there's there's necessarily anything where these guys hate each other. I just think that um, just being young guys, you know, both trying to be the man, it's going to happen. But I think that if you're a Wizards fan and and you've seen what they've been able to do in the playoffs, and uh, you know, before last year, you know, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be fine. I think a, a little bit of friction on any team is a good thing. And I think that they both push each other uh to get better. Um and I, I think that's that's only gonna work out for the benefit of the Wizards in the long run because, you know, they both wanna be great. And I think that if you have two players that both wanna be great on your team, that that'll do wonders. It's just that for Brad, he's gotta be healthy. Right, right. <laughs> and uh and I think that, that's really what it is. But I I, I don't they they, they they definitely had some problems in the past but nothing to where it was anything you had to really worry about or that it was gonna break the team apart. Because they're such good guys, and everybody in the locker room likes and respects both of them. So it's not like there's a there's a Brad faction or a John faction, you know. Um, I, I never picked that up, and I, I'm still around the team. Right. And uh, I, I just feel like it's just something that happens. Every team in the league has some moment where the two best players may not always be in a core, but you get over it, especially when you win.
2: Yeah. Well, we appreciate you uh... – coming through the front door and uh and hopping on with us right away here on the Hang Time podcast. Did did Mrs. Lee even get a chance to talk to you before you got on with us or like are we the first ones to get you since you got back in the states?
0: I I I shot her I shot her a text letter and I made it back. Oh, um, you you the first ones to hear my voice. That's what's Yo. up. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> Michael Lee from
2: The Vertical at Yahoo Sports. Quality fantastic work as always. Um Get some rest, man. Get you a little downtime before Wait, we crank this thing back up.
1: Mike, what was the Absolutely. best meal you had in Rio? The best what? Meal.
0: The best meal? Meal, you said? Yeah. Oh, there's this place called Prata Cita. It's an amazing restaurant. It's a it's, it's basically like a butcher shop and a barbecue grill all in the same place. You go there, <laughs> you pick out you pick out the uh the meat, you pick out your steak, you pick out your burger, You pick out your chicken wings, pick out whatever you want. You put it in a bucket. You go grab a seat. <laughs> a waiter comes up takes your bill looks at it takes all your meat hands it to the to the grill master and for the rest of the night he just brings out all <laughs> his wonderfully cool. grilled meats and uh yeah, i don't drink but basically the only thing on the menu is meat and beer so <laughs> if you like to drink and you like to eat meat it's the absolute best restaurant um but me i, I got my guarana which is also one of my favorite drinks it's like Basically, ginger ale, like a highly right. caffeinated ginger ale. Uh, so I had I had my meat in my in my in my guaraná, and I and I was good. Over Good at Pradosita.
2: Who'd you uh, who'd you hang out with there? That's not a place that sound like you can go by yourself. You had to yeah, have you a wingman. Uh,
0: some, some of the yahoos, you know, okay. uh, the yahoos, you know, they 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 took me there. Right. Uh, and I, and I was like, man, this is great. I mean, I, I think we everything they brought out, we just kept eating it. They just kept bringing out meat. <laughs> And we just oh this is great, what is this? Oh what is this? Oh this is great You know. <laughs> uh and it, it was it was delicious. Uh, I went there twice while while I was there and I probably could have gone a third or fourth time. Uh, but it, it was it was just fantastic, but you, you can only eat so much meat. Well I mean from Kansas City you know
2: how to eat meat now. You know how to eat, that's
0: true. I meat potatoes country. <laughs> uh, I, and if anybody has seen me they know I look like I've been eating a lot of meat and potatoes, so <laughs> Uh, <laughs> on, but no, man. it was fun. It was, it, that, that, was that was a spot hang, that uh, that stands out to me. It was just it was a unique uh, dining experience, and uh, and it
2: was definitely really good food. That's what it's all about, man. The experience, the real Olympics. I'm mad now. I'm mad I didn't go. I'm, I'm jealous. I, I wish I'd have been there. So
0: yeah, I'm sure John Schumann told you it was, it was, he had a good time. Yeah, it was, it was I got
2: enough of his texts and Instagram posts and everything else. <laughs> I was he's giving, him, he's giving him the finger every time he texted me. I just send him the finger back, the emoji for the finger.
1: I haven't followed him on Facebook. I didn't <laughs> take it anymore.
2: <laughs> well, Mike, we appreciate it, Make Get you some rest.
0: All right, we'll do. All
1: All right, brother. Peace.
2: That's good to hear from Mike Lee. I, you know, you you watch the watching the Olympics Lang and covering them is two different things. I realize now being in London, I didn't I didn't have the feel of what the Olympics was like for people back home, like my My wife is, I I told her, I was like, she's like, she turns into the female Captain America when the Olympics come on. She's all of a sudden a fan of, like, sports I never heard of. She's rooting for the Americans no matter what. I'm like, what are you watching? Oh, uh, team handball, but I just want the Americans to win. I'm like, who are they? I don't know. I'm just rooting for the United States. So I get that patriotic feel when you're at home watching it. Mm -hmm. But it's weird when you're at the Olympics. I didn't have that patriotic feel in London. I was so caught up in the games. You know, and covering the basketball games, and then trying to get out to other venues and watch the events. That I wasn't thinking right. medal count and what this meant, you know, for the U.S. and the U.S.O.C. and all that stuff. Being here at home watching it is a totally different vibe, totally different feel for the Olympics.
1: Yeah, I get fired up here. I was, I was trying to find my U.S.A. shirt to, <laughs> watch, to wear to watch the gold medal game. I was, I was, I was cheering for them. Um, but I, in the other events, I don't really. I don't know. Maybe you just naturally kind of gravitate toward the whoever the USA person is, and you know, mm-hmm. team handball or whatever sport you happen to turn on. But um, it you know, we don't really follow the Olympics sports in the other four years. Right. Especially you and I. Like I, I, other people might watch gymnastics and or swimming yeah, or see, other like things. Like I have no
2: idea about swimming yeah, until the Olympics.
1: Me either. Right. I I don't know who the people are until like they announce them as the race <laughs> is about to start um so in that case you're almost just rooting for the laundry as Jerry Seinfeld would say now you just look for the flag and that's who you're cheering for
2: yeah I don't uh I don't imagine that the build-up for Tokyo will be the same as it was for Rio, with all the concerns about infrastructure and setup I'm assuming that'll be a different type games um
1: yeah and the time will be different yeah because we can't watch it live I I was also thinking about this today like why don't I mean, I know there's track and field events, especially like in Europe during their they have a season and all that. Like, is that on TV here? Like, I don't. I mean, it, it seems like you never hear about it here. I have no idea. Um... Um, during like the Olympics, Otto Bolden would say, "Oh, he ran a you know Bolt ran a a ten point two in in Rome this year." Or and I was like, "Well, why why aren't we watching those events? Like, those is, seems like that would be." interesting to watch i'm assuming it's
2: on one of those like fringe sports channels
1: might be on like (laughs) nbc sports or one of those other channels but either way like we don't we don't really it seems like it just pops up every four years and we don't see it in the other times and i don't know it seems like there's an opportunity there for some network to to kind of take advantage of that you would think i don't know
2: there are a lot of sports we don't pay attention to um in the off years including flag football and uh your boy Frodo is now, I don't know if you heard about this, but Greg Wagon, our, our super producer, is now the uh, impresario of the flag football world at uh, Mount Bethel Academy. Um, oh, no. Oh, he's the coach. He's he's coaching, and he's got playbooks in the whole nine yards. He's...
0: Yeah, we got to uh, laminate <laughs> and wristbands for plays.
2: His team's going to get smoked. They're going to get murked this year. I can't wait. I'm going I'm going to go out and video it, and Lang, and, and see him in action, see if he's pulling his Dabo Sweeney on the sidelines for, uh, for his flag football team and losing yeah, uh, to the
1: SEC. <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> uh, football season is coming up. So I know like you're going to have your college football hat on here shortly.
1: I've um, already got it.
2: Yeah. I know you, I, I know my Georgia ant- hat
1: this morning. to, to go get lunch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's see what we can do. We can maybe help some network out with those, uh, fringe events. Um, in in non-olympic years cuz you're right I want to be I want to be well versed on all these things and by the time we get around to Tokyo
1: we should find Rick Fox and get him involved I mean he's trying to get esports yeah, into a thing that. good luck with that I, well, I did
2: see Rick pop up on social media um a couple of days ago maybe yesterday uh he was he was watching Robert De Niro do the car wash at ESPN, and he and he like piped up and and sent out a tweet or something. So we do know he, uh, he's alive at least.
1: He liked my tweet last night, the picture of me and Marcus and Emeril. Nice. So,
2: yeah, I know. I, I thought that was impressive. Um, two guys who cook really well, and one guy who obviously eats very.
1: Well. <laughs> I <laughs> interviewed Emeril for GQ a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. and uh, when it came out, uh, this person, this woman from Amazon PR person, emailed me and was like, hey. Emerald has a new show coming out on Amazon uh in September and, and Emerald and Marcus are on one of the shows and they're gonna have a dinner in New York and we'd like you to come. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they said you can't invite anybody. It's like a tight mm-hmm. guest list. I couldn't take my wife. Um uh, but uh <laughs> they cooked dinner for about twelve of us last night. Very nice it was it was awesome. You should
2: I hope you brought Isabella doggy bag at least. Um,
1: I brought the menu home.
2: <laughs> yeah. Somebody's somebody is in the doghouse this weekend. Um, We appreciate you joining us. Appreciate Mike Lee coming on and talking to us. We got a chance to talk to him before his wife even got a chance to hear his voice as he came back from the Rio Olympics. Um, We will get back into it next week right here on the Hangtime Podcast.
1: Later.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes, visit the iTunes Music Store and be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, Sekuna Matata.